Everything Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast playoff edition. I'm here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, the Leafs are up 2-1 out of three games so far. A 5-0 shutout win in Game 1, a 5-3 loss in Game 2, and then a huge 5-2 win on Friday night. We we're recording Saturday night, a big game Sunday with a chance to go up 3-1. But let's start with some positives here. Let's start with three stars. Who are you starting with? I've seen lots of guys hyped up on your Twitter account lately. I don't know who you're going to give the number one to, but I'm curious. Who's your first star of the series so far? Well, right now I am the Leafs' number one hype fan after last night, and they're two up, one up against the two-time defending champs, so I think they deserve it to a certain extent. I'm going to go with David Kampf. Um, because the guy has done it in the defensive zone. He scored two goals, two big goals. I mean, yesterday's goal looked like a Phil Kessel passing the blue line in 2014 type goal where he just snapped it right past Vasilevsky. I love that one. Um, I'm going to read a tweet out here. He scored two goals. He scored more goals, which is two. Then he has offensive zone starts. He has one in this whole series, Kevin, and he's had 40 defensive zone starts. He's been fantastic on the penalty kill. I think he's my number one star. It just, I'm going to talk about it later about what he's been able to do for that Matthews line in terms of their zone starts and their usage. But having a third line, you know, with Camp in the middle that you can just throw out there against, you know, a Stamkos or in any sort of defensive zone start situation late in games, whether you're up, um, it's been really, really nice to have. So David Camp, easy first star. Yeah, that would have been mine as well. Uh, and for the reasons you mentioned, like, A, he's got two goals in three games against Andre Vasilevsky, number one. Um, and this is a guy that had one goal with Chicago last year. Uh, number two, just the penalty kill in game one there right at the start. He was a huge part of that. Uh, the penalty kill wasn't as good in game two, but, like, this guy is just so trusted in the defensive zone. And being able to go, like, in the final minutes when you have a one-goal lead, having Mikhaev, Camp, and Engball has been, has been great, like, all those guys can skate. They all have really long reaches. They're all really sound defensively. I, I just his game. You like obviously his game is defense, but you look at the offense that's coming out of him. It's kind of funny. Just game three with Labushkin setting up Blackwell with Camp scoring. I mean, no goals from the first line. The sec, no goals from the second line. It was just such a weird game, especially when the least scored five if you include the empty netters, but. Camp's leading the team in expected goal differential. You mentioned his zone starts, Nick. Like, he hasn't been on for a goal against at 5-on-5. And, I mean, for a guy that's only making a million and a half right now, like, if you're you're going to say relative to expectations, this guy is through the roof right now. I think he's by far and away the number one. So anything else you want to mention, give give Camp some praise for before I get into mine, number one? No, I want to hear your number one, actually. Okay. I'm going with Mitch Marner. And the fancy stats aren't great through three games. They kind of got caved in 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 game one. Sorry, in game three. But Marner had all the pressure in the world on him. He started off with a three-point game in game one, a goal and two assists. And he scores again in game two as another assist. He had five points through two games. I I think he only had four points last year. So, and then even game seven doesn't, sorry, game three... He has seven shots. Game seven. Um, oh, boy. Doesn't, 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 there's not going to be a game seven. This thing's going to be fun. 
Um, I hope so. If if David can't keep playing like this, it's it's gonna take five. Um, but with Martin, he's got points in all three games. I mean, seven shots in game three, six shots in game two, three points in game one. Given the pressure on him, and it, I, I thought he actually looked okay in, in game three. I, I know that line didn't play all that well, but he's very good defensively. Like Camp, I gave him a shout-out for the penalty kill, but Marner deserves the same. Like he's, he's one of the Leafs' best defensive forwards. Putting him out there with a the lead, you feel great. And just the amount of offense he's generated, less so in game three, but... I just think all in all, like you look at the pressure, the expectations, he's delivered. So I'm going to give him my first star after maybe it wasn't really the best playoff performance from him last year, but he's definitely rebounded so far. Yeah, I mean, he's second right now in terms of uh, time on ice and t- uh, on the penalty kill. He is a big part of not only their defense on the penalty kill, but also their offense. Like anytime the other team has the puck in the the other team is on the power play, like I'm almost just waiting for Marner to pick something off and, and lead a two on one the other way. Uh, especially in game one, like the, that string during that, that string of play during that um, five minute penalty, like like you said, it was huge. Marner was a big part of it. It's nice to see. I mean, he's a hometown kid. You know, he's a good player. I think we all knew that he was a good player, and that narrative of oh maybe this guy's not a playoff performer. I mean, Mitch Marner was a good playoff performer in his rookie year during the Washington series. He had a really good series against uh, Boston, where in the first one and the second one, but. The first one, like he was with Thomas Blakanitz and I think it was Patrick Marlowe on the other side. And they were shutting down or trying to shut down Patrice Bergeron in his second year uh, in the league. So like this is a guy that can play in the playoffs. We know that. Um, obviously, it didn't work out well against Montreal. Carey Price was really good. But I just I really like the way he's responded this year. And he's, he's been really good. But for my second star, I am going to stay away from the stars for now and I'm gonna go with Colin Blackwell this is the guy I've been hyping up the most Kevin I think that if you look at my Twitter over the last three games it's been like it's almost as if Colin Blackwell is the first line center on this team he's been unbelievable I've really liked what he's brought to this fourth line Blackwell has just been so good in all three games he's so quick he wins puck races he's ferocious like he doesn't care whether he's going up against Nikita Kucherov or you know six foot whatever he is Cal Foot. He'll go up against anybody and win that battle. Um, he's been blocking shots. He's, you know, he's kind of pitched in on the penalty kill. He's only played just just over one minute on it. I really like the way he's played. He obviously got that goal, really well deserved goal for him. And uh, his speed is just is just really really welcomed on that fourth line. So that's my second star. Okay, that was at a that was a surprise for me. <laughs> I don't know how he got Blackwell. He got like he would have been in my top ten. I don't think, but. He did score a big goal in Game 3. Obviously, the fourth line hasn't been great the first two games. It's probably not his fault, but uh, hasn't really played much. Like, he's he's played under seven minutes the last two games. He did play a little bit more in Game 1 when it was, you know, a little bit of a blowout. Um, Definitely a huge goal in in Game 3, so, I mean, I'll give you that. But I I do, I I think we have lots of questions to get, like, we'll get into the lineup after. I, I think we both want him in the lineup. But they, I still think they have questions on the fourth line. I don't know if, if they're going to go with Engvall, Blackwell, Spezza. Um, I, I don't know if Blackwell is going to be playing 10 minutes the rest of the game, like 10 minutes a night for any game. But um, we'll give that one to you. He, he did score a big goal. I'll, I'll give him that. And I manifested it, by the way. I'm just going to give myself credit. So maybe that's why I'm down on Blackwell, because I'm giving myself most of the credit. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you'll be the third star. I doubt it, though. <laughs> 
Okay, so I'm going to go... Is it, there's so many guys to go with. I'm going to go Jack Campbell. I think let's just get the simple one out of the way. A shutout in game one. I mean, Campbell was a guy that had a great start to the regular season. He was pretty dreadful in the middle, though I know he was dealing with an injury. But he's going toe-to-toe with one of the best goaltenders in the league, if not the best goaltender in the league, in Andre Vasilevsky, someone who's been clutched the last two years. And I was looking at his just career numbers in like 10 games now. He's at like a 930 save percentage or something like that. So he's been just fantastic in the playoffs, someone who really steps up in the big moments. Uh, obviously, you know, game two wasn't terrible. He did let in five, but I, I don't know if he really played terribly. Obviously, the shutout in game one was huge just to get off on the right foot. But then just the big save on Stamkos in game three, I, I thought he was fantastic. I know, like, you look at the final score, 5-2, and you don't doesn't look that close, but two of those were empty netters. He was clutch. And, you, you know, one goal could really... St- change the whole dynamic of the game right like if they tie that game up it's a whole different ball game both coaches are kind of you know strategizing differently tampa's less aggressive uh who knows what happens you'd have to beat vasilevsky again so i'm giving him the my second star because just this year and last year i think he's been fantastic come playoff time and goaltending is the most important position in hockey of course i think the word clutch is perfect for how jack campbell's played and one thing we've learned over the years is you know the, the timing of when saves are made in the playoffs is so, so important. And when you have two teams like Tampa and Toronto, two teams that want that want the puck on their stick, they want to pressure the other team um, you know, into making mistakes. And so much of that is momentum-based. And you know, we look at the Blackwell goal yesterday, and Campbell makes a big save on one end on the penalty kill. And then Tampa... I think it was Corey Perry steps up to try and keep the puck in. Muzzin makes a nice play, puts it up to Engvall, and they have the three-on-one. But none of that happens if Campbell doesn't make that big save. So timely saves. Campbell needs to be the better goalie in this series if the Leafs want to go through, just like in any playoff series. So um, he's been fantastic so far. Uh, But with my third star, I will go, like you said, so many people. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of options. Yeah, you know, I... Let's go Austin Matthews. I mean, he's been fantastic. He's He's been exactly what you need. He's gotten a bunch of points. The The physicality has been there. That hit in game two right before the bunting goal was amazing. It almost reminded me of that uh, the Kadri hit right before the Matthews goal in Washington, that, that infamous goal. Um, so that was awesome. I mean, Matthews right now, in all situations, he's been on for six goals and has not been on again for one goal against. He's been amazing. I think yesterday, obviously, they didn't really look great in terms of like Corsi or expected goals. They had a tough time against that Sorelli line. I'm not too worried. Um, I know you had a tweet saying that you would kind of make an adjustment and have Nylander on Matthews' line. I'd probably just keep Matthews, you know, with Marner or, and, and Kerfoot or Bunting. Like, I'm, it doesn't really bother me too much. Matthews will get his shifts away from Sorelli. And, and I think at this point, you know, you, you've got to play outplay Sorelli. I'm not too concerned about it. But um, I, I've been really happy with how Matthews has played, even though the, the advanced stats maybe haven't been, or let's say possession stats, weren't really friendly to him yesterday. Yeah, so, you know, my idea of separating Matthews and Marner wasn't due to Matthews. I think Matthews is definitely... I mean, we'll get into the reason I'd maybe play Marner with Tavares later, but... For, for Matthews, he's been himself. I think last game three, they, they did get crushed. 
Um, but he's still over 50% expected goals for the series. Hasn't been on for a goal against. Uh, you know, multi-point games in, in game one and two. So, I mean, he's been himself. I do think that they are really keying in on him on the power play and kind of forcing others to beat him. Uh, uh, Vasilevsky, that is. But I don't know like if he's been better than his regular self, but he's, I mean, such a good player. That assist he had, I believe it was in game one when he dove and poked the puck to Marner. Was that game two? I, I'm getting my games mixed up here. but um, Yeah, the game two, the same one where he threw the hit. It was on the bunting goal. Yeah. And then he, he kind of dives and gives it to Marner. Yeah, the, the one, I mean, didn't result in a win, unfortunately. But that was a huge play that could have been a turning point. So, yeah, I mean, you can never go wrong with Matthews as one of your three stars. So, um, boring answer, Nick, but we'll give it to you. I know. Well, I had Colin Blackwell, so I'm... <laughs> that was the opposite. The most ex- I'm, like, the, the most exciting guy on the planet right now. So, I'm going to go kind of off the board. I, I definitely think Engvall Mikhaev could be both options. Like, you can throw them in kind of just the role that they've played, especially when they've been with David Camp. I'm surprised they haven't gotten a star. I'm going to go with an X-Factor. I think Kerfoot's also deserving. That was a, yeah. That's an honorable mention. I think with Jake Muzzin because I think Jake Muzzin had, you know, he was the biggest question mark heading into this series, uh, especially like we know what he can do, right? Like we've seen him in previous years be the best defenseman on the Leafs. I think if you if you asked me, you know, last year it was kind of close between him, Brody, and Riley. The year before, I think Muzzin was their best defenseman. And then this year, the regular season was a disaster for him. He dealt with injuries. When he was in the lineup, he, he really struggled. Uh, by pretty much any metric, right? Like, just was not a good year. And then he didn't really have much of a showcase before the playoffs for us to see what he, you know, what he could do. And the Muzzin-Brody pairing's been fantastic. They are, you know, the definition of a shutdown pairing, probably the best shutdown pairing the Leafs have had since I can remember. And you look at just, they're outscoring their competition at 5-on-5 by a, a huge amount. They've been great on the penalty kill uh, just two very good stick-on-stick defenders. Muzzin obviously brings quite a bit uh, to the table physically as well, but I think that's just such a key X factor and such a key player for the Leafs because if they get him rolling, if they get the old Jake Muzzin, this team's blue line looks very, very good. Um, and if they don't, if they get the Jake Muzzin they had in the regular season, you have some serious questions. So I just think, you know, relative to expectations, I had no idea what Muzzin was going to bring come playoff time. So far, so good. Yeah, I think it helps when you have a guy like Mark Giordano and you have a third pairing that has Giordano. And like, I really like the balanced defensive pairings because before it was like Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall, they had to take all the tough competition. And now you can kind of spread it along the three lines. So in the role that he's playing right now, I've had no problems with the way Muzzin's played. Playing with Brody obviously helps a lot. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to slander that pick at all. I definitely think that Engvall... It's funny that Engvall, especially both you and I, were probably higher on Engvall and Mikheyev than pretty much everyone, even when they were uh, in the doghouse of Leafs Nation. I'm surprised they didn't get a star, but honorable mention to those two because they've been, you know, to, to me, one of the biggest differences in this series is the speed that they've had in the middle six compared to Tampa's, especially kind of the, the bottom three lines. And Engvall and Mikheyev have just been really, really, really good for the Leafs. So, um but let's get into it. Like Kevin, overall, the Leafs right now are are two and one, going into Game Four tomorrow. Like overall, like how do you feel about this series? I mean, just being up two one, I would have taken that at the start of the series. So I'm definitely feeling good. Just any type of lead is a good lead. 
but in terms of just storylines of this series, like I think number one early on was discipline. Um, we saw the Kerfoot five-minute major right off the bat. We saw Wayne Simmons take two very bad penalties in game two. And then I think game three, it kind of went the other way, where the Leafs were getting some power plays based on some undisciplined plays from Tampa. So I think discipline's been a huge factor. And I think the other storyline has really been David Camp. Like, just Tavares has kind of been quiet. I think that's another storyline. You haven't really got much out of Tavares Nylander on the score sheet yet. But Camp and, and just whoever he's played with, normally Engvall Mikhaev, but it has it has differed. Camp's been outstanding. Just the offense is there. They're getting secondary scoring from that third line. I don't know if it's sustainable. I wouldn't count on David Camp to score two out of three again. But uh, so far, I think that's a massive storyline. I think the, the Muzzin-Brody pairing has been a massive storyline. And for Tampa, like, their power play is lethal. So I want to just stay disciplined. I think discipline is going to be a big key. Goaltending has been a big storyline. Anything else that you think is, like, just a huge storyline that I've missed there? I think the D pairings is... I, I want to get into the D pairings as well, Nick. I love having Giordano there. Yeah. Obviously, I think we have a lot to talk about just in terms of, you know, what we think they should do. I think the discipline, of course. I mean, the amount of power plays that have occurred over the last three games is pretty crazy to me. Even, you know, both you and I look at five-on-five play, I found it pretty difficult to kind of navigate through. And obviously, we're talking about small samples and and whatnot, but just the amount of power plays that have occurred in the last three games, it's caused the five-on-five play to be very, very wonky. Um, And even right now, like if you looked overall, the Leafs, it looks like Tampa really outplayed um, Toronto in games one and two, and three, sorry, the ones that... But really, I mean, it was just a lot of score effects that were occurring, especially in the third period where yesterday was a pretty even 50-50 split for most of the game. And then the Leafs are leading for, you know, all of the third period and Tampa's turning it on, trying to come back in the game. Same thing when it was, you know, 2-3-4-5-0 in game one. Um, So, I don't know. I, You know, when it comes to, to... to just the possession stats in general, like at five on five, like I think this, it's been pretty pretty even at, at five on five. I'd say maybe the Leafs yeah. get a little bit of a. I think the Leafs have been a little bit better when the score has been close. So I think that's a good thing. I think the penalty kill has been, you know, pretty good, especially in game one and three. I I don't know. Like to me, it's if they continue to make a lot of calls, I kind of like Toronto's chances. Um, in game two, I do know that Tampa's you know power play is obviously really good, but the Leafs' penalty kill is also really good. So it's tough to say. I think in game two, like there was obviously a huge difference. I think Tampa had eight or nine power plays, and the Leafs had three. So I mean, as as long as there's not a difference like that, then I think the Leafs have a pretty good shot at uh, you know winning each of these games here. So overall, my biggest takeaway right now is the Leafs' speed. You look at guys like Engvall, Mikheyev, Blackwell, Kasha. Um, this is a fast team, and the Leafs have really kind of embraced stretching the ice, trying to get Tampa on their back foot, flipping pucks into the you know deep into the zone, and creating these little puck races. Tampa's defense is really good. I don't think they're very fast though, and I think you know guys like even Nylander and those guys have in Kerfoot especially, have really benefited from using their speed, creating these puck races, and making it difficult for Tampa's defense. So I think that's, to me, one of the bigger storylines so far. Um, 
And, you know, we've seen a lot of odd man rushes where the Leafs have had chances to score or have scored. Um, so I think right now, after three games, the Leafs do look like the better team, in my opinion, especially if Campbell can play the way he has. Yeah, I think speed's been huge. The Leafs definitely look faster. And as you mentioned, like, Tampa's defense is... They're big. They're huge. I don't know if they're amazing skaters, but they're definitely huge with, you know, Hedman's massive. Cal Foote's a big, a big kid. Uh, McDonough, Cernak. Mm-hmm. Like, they have tons and tons of sides. Sergachev's even pretty big. So, and I know Bogosian's in, the old friend. So I do think that if you can beat him off the rush, it's it's definitely, you know, pretty key. Uh, obviously, the Blackwell goal was off the rush the other night. Camp was on a breakaway. You know, a lot of the goals have been off the rush. And, you know, it's tough to beat Vasilevsky from a distance. So if those big defenders are taking away the net front, it is tough to, to get one past Vasilevsky. But uh, what haven't you liked, Nick? Because, you know, we're 20 minutes in. We've gone the three stars. We've gone with some of the – mainly the positives other than discipline uh, in game one or two. What, what part of this Leafs lineup do you still have questions about? Because, you know, the numbers are one thing because I know game one, tons of pa- – tons of just power plays and penalties in general um the five on five numbers were a bit weird and then as you mentioned in game three that the Leafs had a lead for most of the game um and we're kind of turtling and protecting in the third so the stats were a little bit off but what haven't you liked or what questions do you still have about this Leafs lineup I mean I'll probably address the elephant in the room here I think you know John Tavares's play um he looks a little bit behind in this series, especially just the way the Leafs are playing right now. They're they're really stretching the ice unless the first line is on, um, where Matthews, Marner, and and usually Bunting or Kerfoot. Like the buildup is a little bit slower with them, but I, I think those players are so good at slowing the game down, especially Marner, uh, to the speed that they want to play at. That it kind of is acceptable. Whereas with Tavares, you know, they're putting him with Kasha and Mikheyev, guys that you want to. To have skating so especially in transition I think Tavares has looked behind um, the it's just the offensive production I think right now you know you like you said earlier camp has two goals but you know this isn't uh I wouldn't expect him to score again in this series if he does great but that's not something I'm banking on uh, the fourth line really doesn't play much and you know if, if you go back to Clifford and Simmons then I, I really don't expect them to score at five on five and then you're pretty much facing, you pretty much want Matthews to score. And if Sorelli plays the same way he did yesterday for the rest of the series against Matthews, then, you know, I think it's a little bit tough. So you definitely want Tavares yeah. there, you know, whether he's with Nylander, whether he's with Kasha Mikheyev to be scoring goals. So my biggest concern would be just offensively, um, especially at five on five, if, if the power plays kind of dry up and, and Tampa gets a little bit more disciplined, then where's that offense coming from at five on five? Yeah. I didn't think he was terrible in game three. I think they kind of played boring hockey, which is a little bit unexpected. They were on for a goal, but T- Tavares hasn't been on for a goal four at five on five yet in the series. And this is a team like the day he signed was, was really built around having two first lines, right? Like, uh, especially in year one, I, like Tavares, the Tavares line was better than the Matthews line in year one, I would say. And, you know, year two, yes, Matthews was, was better, but I do think that, you know, Tavares was at least close. Like, he still looked like a number one center. And now you're looking at it, and he's he looks like he's closer to camp than he is to, than he is to Matthews, right? Like, he's, there's really not many scoring chances being generated when he's on the ice. The faceoffs are key, especially on special, like, on, on the power play. I love starting off with a face-off win, and some of those defensive zone starts you can throw him out for when Camp's not out there. 
you know, great at that too. But, you know, he's not getting paid what he's what he's getting paid to be a faceoff specialist. You need to have some offense around him. I, I wish they went I wish they reunited him with Nylander sooner. Um, I don't think, you know, Kasher coming off, you know, an injury where he hadn't really played regular season games forever. And then he started with Mikhaev, who's fine, but not really much of a playmaker, more of an individual scorer, I would say. Um, I wish they went to Tavares Nylander earlier, but I think I think you do have to seriously consider going Tavares Marner at some point. I know the Matthews Marner line's been great. Uh, I really like the Matthews matchup against Stamkos because we've seen Matthews up mm-hmm. against Bergeron. We've seen him up against a very defensive-focused Columbus team, and we've seen him up against Phil Deneau, right? So we haven't really seen him up against someone like Stamkos, someone who's more offensively driven. And I think Matthews is just a better play driver, a better two-way player, especially when you have Marner on his wing. I like that matchup against Stamkos. But Point and Sorelli kind of ate their lunch on, on Game 3. So I would make a quick adjustment if... if that's still the case in game four i i would almost want to separate um matthews and marner not just for because of their production but i do think at some point you need to get Tavares going Uh, we'll see if nylander Tavares. they are going to start together in game four it looks like we'll see if they can get something going but you do need an answer there because you you're going to need Tavares to put the puck in the net if you're going to win this series and if you're going to go deep in the playoffs yeah i don't know i've been kind of debating with myself about whether I'd want to um, reunite Nylander Tavares. I think I'm leaning to I would not. Um, you know, Keith's been a, done a pretty good job of, you know, let's say Engvall and Nylander are on that third line. Um, Keith's done a pretty good job of getting Nylander those top six minutes, especially, I mean, a little bit more in game two when there wasn't as many penalties. So what do you want, who do you want Nylander to play with? I'd probably just keep him with Kampf and Engvall when it's 0-0. I don't love Nylander and Kampf, but I think that they've... It, it kind of works. I just like that counterattacking. And, and Engvall and Nylander together have just been able to generate these rush chances. They don't get that many. Um, and I think, according to the Corsi, like, it's not great. But I think they get you know at least two or three good chances a game. And I think that's all they really need. To me, I, I don't know. I think with Tavares right now... like I. I I almost feel like Nylander might be more productive playing with Engvall in that type of a role than putting him with Tavares. Like I, I don't know. I, I just think right now Tavares, I don't know if he really helps Nylander. That might be a bit of a hot take, actually. But I, I just like the yeah, fact that a, they can... stretch. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's a lot easier to match up when you have Nylander-Tavares together. All year they've they've played together for the most part. They haven't really found a, a third winger that's worked with them. Like, Kerfoot wasn't very good with them there. Like, I don't know. I think it's just a tough spot to be in. I don't think either option is great. Well, I don't know I why you'd want him with Camp. You can get away from tougher competition. And then you have Engvall there to help him kind of do the counterattacks. Uh, neither of them are great options. Like, we've seen Nylander and Tavares this year. They, they haven't been lights out, even with huge offensive zone starts and kind of cushiony uh, competition. So, I don't I, I think just Tavares not playing well in general is not a great option either way like i think that's a huge a huge problem so what's your plan what's your plan for Tavares? i would keep Tavares with kasha and mikhaev and i would put keith's not doing that keeps going nylander there and i agree with him for tomorrow and i agree yeah. with him there like if if mike babcock played nylander he didn't go without game one and two though but yeah but it didn't work right like they had no secondary scoring in game one and two and like, at some point, you need to get Tavares going. And if your plan is 
Kasha Mikheyev. I don't know. Like it, it hasn't worked. I don't. I would put Kasha down to the fourth line. He's the player that's really gotten killed. Yeah, I mean we've got a huge sample of Tavares. Neal but then, but you have to get Tavares going. And they haven't been great five on five scores. You do, you do for sure. But like, I don't know if different line mates are going to get that guy going at five on five. Well, I, what I would consider doing is going Matthews Nylander and then Tavares Marner. Who's the third winger if, then? If with Tavares Nylander isn't going to work, but I would, uh, they are going to try Tavares Nylander. I don't blame him for that. We'll see what Kasha does there. I don't know if he's the perfect winger for them. He hasn't been great in this series, uh, especially by the numbers. But I mean, you do have options. I you could put Bunting there. Bunting's on the fourth line right now, and see how that works. You could put Kerfoot there. You I would put Makayev there. Like I think Makayev, uh, Tavares, Nylander would be fine. But at some point, you have to get Tavares going. And putting Nylander with David Camp and expecting that to generate a ton of offense, I think, is a mistake. Uh, I also like Camp with you know Engvall and Kasha. I think I think Tavares needs to get Tavares going. I, I, to me, it's just I don't think this is a thing where it's like oh well if you put this line combination like we've seen line combinations with Tavares like we've seen Nylander and Tavares together all year this year. It's not like this is something new and it's like oh we're we're trying to get Tavares going here. It's like we've seen that before. We've we've seen them all year. They've been fifty fifty in shot share. They've been fifty fifty in goal share. Like. We know what they are. Yeah, I think we also know what Tavares, Kasha, Makayev is. No, like they're pretty close to that. Yeah, but but Kasha, Makayev are rush players. Like they're they're both guys that shoot a lot. They're not really great playmakers. I mean, Kasha's a volume shooter. Makayev's really good on the on the like in terms of speed and forecheck and counterattack. But like at at some point, you need to do something with Tavares. I know Keith went to Nylander back in Game Three. Tavares. Tavares Nylander, he's going to do it again in Game 4. You're going to see how it does, and you're going to go from there. I mean, you might have to put... If, if it doesn't work, you're either going to have to put Nylander back, or you're going to have to flip Marner Nylander. But you do need to get some... You need to get Tavares going. Obviously, Tavares has to get Tavares going as well, but, you know, playing him with Kasha, when Kasha hasn't played in so long and isn't really succeeding, I don't know if Kasha's really made a great case to be there right now, but... Um, whether it's a Kerfoot you put back with Tavares, I don't know. But I think getting Tavares going has to be the number one key. I, I, I don't mind putting Nylander there. I definitely wouldn't put Matthews Nylander because I think then you're you're kind of hurting the your best line in order to get Tavares going. Like To me, like the number one concern is, in terms of offense, is you need Matthews Marner to be going. Like You don't want to go from having one good offensive line to zero. So, so what if they're not going, though? What if what's not going? What if Game 3 repeats itself and they're getting outplayed halfway through Game 3, Game 4? Then maybe you make an in-game adjustment. I'm talking about at the beginning of the game, though. I'm talking about just, like, going into the lines tomorrow. Yeah, we know yeah. we know the lines tomorrow. Like, they're starting with Matthews Marner, Tavares Nylander. But if it works, you're going to keep them together. If it doesn't work, what's your plan? Like, are you... I, I think at that point, I would flip them rather than going back to what you had that kind of wasn't working. And... Like, Point Sorelli is a tough matchup, especially with a shutdown pairing. And I, I do think if you can split, if you can make them choose between Matthews Marner, like Marner Tavares, we've seen plenty of times. Tavares led the NHL in primary points per minute at 5 on 5 with Marner years ago. It's not the same Tavares, but we know that can work. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the, the key of that whole sentence there. <laughs> He's not a primary point, that type of primary point producer anymore. No, but. You have to rely on Nylander to get Tavares going more than, like, Kasha or Makayev. 
in my opinion. Like I think you you put the best lo- you put him with the best player you can, and you give him the best chance to succeed because I like the third line with or without Nylander. Right. Yeah. You know. I think. I think our our like my number one thing would not be to get Tavares going. Like like I think Mies keeping Nylander on that third line with Engvall is because I actually like that line. I think it generates like a decent amount of high danger chances for me to be happy with it. And to me, like if Tavares gets going on that second line, then that's great. But like we've got like three or four games left in the series. Like if they get a, a few goals out of that Nylander Engvall combination, and Matthew still hopefully you know, doesn't play like how he did in game three against Sorelli, then they're looking pretty good. But I just don't want that middle six to get, you know, them to put Nylander on that to, with Tavares. And it's pretty easy to match up against them. And then they really don't get any production from that third, the middle six at all. That's my concern is, is I'd rather have like... So you you don't like what keeps doing right now? Um, I don't mind it. Like they're up to one. It's not like I'm like crazy against it, but I don't really think that that's... Well, it's been three different lineups, though. But, like, heading into game four, you look at the lines, like Kasha, Tavares, Nylander, you think that's a mistake? I don't think it's a mistake. I just, like, I don't think that that's the reason why Tavares is going to get going. Well, it, it's going to be both. Like, part of it's who you play with and if you have chemistry, and part of it's just if you're playing better. Like, I, I think that's obvious. But Right. So your lineup would be different than Keith's lineup for game four. Yeah, basically. I would have kept, kept Nylander with Engvall, like, but again, like it's not. I don't think it's like that big a deal. Like I just don't know if, like I don't think this is some groundbreaking thing where it's like, oh well, Nylander is going to be a Tavares. Tavares is going to start producing at five on five. I think, like, it would be the same either way. Well, neither have been on for a goal. Neither have been on for a goal at five on five. A Leafs goal. Right. So they got to get each other going. Or I think putting them together gives them the best chance to score. Um, I like the third line with. You know, if it's Camp Makaya, Vengval, I think that's great defensively. If it's Kasha there instead of one of the wingers, I think that's still a very good line. If it's Kerfoot there, I still like that line. So I don't think they really need Nylander the way they're producing right now. They are more of a shutdown line. Right. It's not terrible, but like Nylander with Camp is just a bit awkward. Like, it's defensive zone starts for Nylander. Oh, it's definitely awkward. So I would even like I'd rather have Nylander on his own line. Like I don't know if you can get him enough ice time if you did like a. Uh, Engvall, Kerfoot, Nylander. I don't know if you really have the... I don't know if the rest of the lineup would be too impacted, but I, I'm not a big fan of Engvall, Camp, Nylander. Um, I would go... I don't really like Kasha there, though, either, with Nylander, Tavares. So I wouldn't mind, like, Mikhaev or Engvall with Tavares, Nylander, but it's going to be interesting. So Kerfoot starting off game four on the top line. Um, I don't know if that's just temporary because, you know, Keith didn't really like bunting in game three or something. But I don't know if I love that either. Like, there's been some weird lineup decisions uh, this series. I think you could start with, you know, Clifford Simmons both being in game one. Game two, you, you still had Spezza out. Um, he's now taken Lilligren out, which I'm not a big fan of. Like, if, if you were to make the lines, I guess, from scratch, I'd probably go bunting line one, but I can kind of see why he's doing it because Kerfoot's been great. Yeah, Kerfoot has been good. I I just think like when when you have two of your you know two of your best four guys like not really producing, I, I don't know if you know any lines are really gonna look that good, especially when when Tavares just isn't really producing right now. I don't think it's that big a deal. It's been three games, and <laughs> that's what I'm telling myself right now. But um, 
I think I think he'll be fine, but I don't think we can expect the same Tavares that we saw a few years ago. No, they need the Nylander going too, though, right? And if if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down with yeah. Tavares Nylander rather than putting Nylander with Camp and wondering why he's not scoring. Um, you know, I'd I'd keep Camp as a more shutdown line, and I'd 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 keep Tavares Nylander together, which is what he's doing. But on the back end, I think the left side's been great. I mean, Riley's been kind of iffy in the own end. He had a couple couple giveaways, but the right side is definitely has some question marks. I did not like Labouche getting game three other than that highlight reel pass because that came out of nowhere. Uh, Justin Hall took a bad penalty, but I did think the Giordano Hall pair was, was pretty confident. For me, it's the Riley Labushkin that I trust the least right now. Is is that where you're landing or are you? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. yeah. I think just you look at uh, Giordano Lilligren was really good. I thought Giordano Hall, I think was fine. Um, Muzzin Brody's been really good, and and you just look at Li- Riley Lillard. I'm sorry, Riley Labushkin. I don't know. I don't love Labushkin with the puck on his stick in in kind of all three zones, and then I don't like Riley when he doesn't have the puck on his stick uh, in all three zones. So I think Riley has been kind of just making some odd pinches, and and it's been causing some odd man rushes the other way. Um, they're just like complete opposite players, which is kind of funny. Um, I think that's why, you know, it, it does work mm-hmm. at all, but yeah, I think when, when one player is in a situation where, you know, their weaknesses are coming out, like Riley defending in transition or Babushkin having the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, I, I think, you know, even though they play together, they still have to be in those types of situations. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the, the, the line that's been kind of the most worrisome right now. Yeah. And I guess my concern with the D pairings is, like, we don't really know who Riley can play with other than Brody. Like, for me, I want to keep Muzz and Brody together because they've been very good. Um, and then, you know, Riley Hall I don't love. Riley Lilligren I don't love. But Riley Labushkin, maybe it's just... I think part of it is, like, you look at the defense of Brody Muzzin. Like, they're very strong in transition. They're both very good stick-on-stick defenders. And then Giordano and Lilligren were both very strong in transition. Like, that's the strength of Lilligren's game. And, and the same with Giordano. He's always been good at it. So just the, the contrast between those pairings in transition and then Riley Labushkin is pretty pretty stark. And then we've seen plenty of giveaways from both Riley and Labushkin. Like, they're kind of playing with fire a lot. Labushkin isn't playing much. He's only playing at 5-on-5, five five, so he's getting, like, 13-12 a game, um, especially with all the penalties. But man, like I'm, I'm, I know Keith's going back to it in Game Four. He's still taking Lilligren out, but I think that's a mistake personally. I'm one, I'm one bad game away with Labushkin from taking him out altogether because uh, I am, I am not liking that pairing so far. Even though they both had some offense in Game Three. What would you put the the line? So let's say you take out Labushkin. Who would you put next to Riley? Probably Hall. I don't love that, but like yeah. You can't be much worse than Labushkin his own end so far, right? Like they're attacking Labushkin. Um like every time the puck's on a stick, he seems like he's turning it over. I do like his net front defense, but man, they've been in their own zone a lot. They got caved in last night. Um I, I think his assist probably kept him in the lineup, to be honest. But we'll see what happens, because you can't really afford like Riley Labushkin up against Braden Point, like when points in transition, it's just like a free zone entry. Like, Riley's never... That's never been the... Yeah, no, we haven't even talked about um, 
like the Tampa forecheck, right? Like as soon as they get that puck on the Bushkin stick and that Tampa forecheck comes in, they're in trouble. And that I think that's a huge issue in terms of when Tampa caves them in. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I want to break up Muzzin Brody. I think they could go back to Riley Brody and then put Muzzin with like Lilligren or Hall. Like we've seen that happen before. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they have options on defense. I, I just don't know if Keefe at this point would scratch Labushkin. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably higher on Labushkin, I think, right now, right now in comparison to you, just because they have, like, three very balanced lines, which which I, I don't think they've ever had before. So, I don't know. I think, you know, maybe we've gone a bit too far with these negatives. Like, it's been, it's been a good series so far. Um just going forward here, do you have anything? Do you have any other kind of things going forward, like any more negatives, or before we move on here? Well, there's been kind of clear positives, and then like concerns, but it's still early in terms of the concerns, right? Like Tavares and Elander can still turn around their series and have you know a massive game four, a massive game five, completely change the narrative. Obviously, goaltending's been huge. Um, I, I think the first line, apart from game three, was massive, right? That basically won won them game one. I mean, the shutout won them game one. But Matthews and Marner were good enough to to definitely lead a win in, in game one. Um, equally good in game two, even though they didn't come out ahead on the on the scoreboard at the end of the night. Um, game three was just you know it was a weird game, right? Like your goal scorers were Camp Blackwell, um, and then who was the third one? Like I know there were the two empty net goals. Um, was it Riley? Riley was the first goal was, of the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Riley. The, it was Riley to start on the power play there. So, like, you didn't really have your top six forwards producing, and I think that's a concern, right? Like, one of our uh, – how the – I mean, if you look at last year's series, how the top six scored was a, a major, major storyline, and I think it still is, right? Like, do you get Tavares, Nylander, Banson back – is Matthews Marner going to continue to keep up their game one and two pace, or, or does Tampa finally have an answer? Um, I've, I've, you're going to need some, you know, secondary scoring to win, and I think the game three was a perfect example of Camp, um, Blackwell, some surprise scorers chipping in, and I, 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 you keep saying it on Twitter, Nick, but like last year, Tampa's third line, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and, and Barkley Goudreau was massive. And I think Yanni Gord in particular is just a huge loss for Tampa. And Camp has kind of been that through three games. So that's going to be a massive storyline in terms of just a positive. If Camp can keep this up, like he's not going to keep up the scoring, but if he can just keep down the shutdown side, um, and if Ker- like Kerfoot's playing well, Makayev Engvall are playing well, that's definitely the biggest positive, right? Is is the scoring, is the depth. For sure. Especially, especially with last night's lineup. Like, I think you go back, you, you're playing Spezza in, in, in game four and five, I assume, after last night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like Spezza there, and I, I want that fourth line to be in the offensive zone and to be a threat. Um, and more importantly, like, especially in Tampa, you know, I, I do not want to see Stamkos out against Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, and Colin Blackwell. Like, that... That seems just like it's it's a dinner for for Steve Stamkos or even for Braden Point. So I like Spets out there with you know like a, a Kerfoot and Kasha. Sorry, a uh, Blackwell and Kasha, uh, or just having more skilled fourth line guys that you can actually trust against you know these guys against uh, in the against the first line. Sorry, but um, yeah, I think 
one reason why I'm a little bit more positive going forward on this series is because because of Engvall and Mikheyev, like like they've been playing, and even Camp, like they've been playing at this level. I would say for the majority of this season, like obviously we haven't been seeing this type of goal scoring from Camp, but Engvall and Mikheyev have been really really good this year. I expect them to be to continue being this good for the rest of the series, especially on the defensive end, especially in transition. So. It's one of those things where earlier in the series I tweeted that if Tavares isn't scoring, then I think the Leafs don't really have a chance in this series. And after three games, like I don't know if that's true. I think that they could potentially get Matthews and Marner um, scoring enough and getting enough secondary scoring from Engvall, Mikheyev, Kerfoot, um, etc. that they could still win this series even if Tavares and Nylander score you know, maybe a goal or two combined. Obviously, it's a stretch. You want them to score. It would be a lot easier on, I'm sure, Sheldon Keefe and the rest of Leaf Nation. But I don't know. i I just been so encouraged by the way Mikheyev and Engvall have played this year and the rest of their secondary scoring. And and um, and even just defensively and in transition, like I said. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to get Tavares going. Like, So I if I'm John Cooper... I'm going point as my first line center instead of Stamkos, moving Stamkos to the wing, and I'm going Sorelli as my second line center, uh, especially in the games in Toronto, right? Because I don't think that the Stamkos-Matthews matchup was working out well for him, and, you know, obviously point and Sorelli can both, you know, better handle him. I think they're better just two-way than, than Stamkos is. So I do think that adjustments are coming from Tampa's end, and I also have really liked Tampa's penalty kill. Uh, Matthews is, is really getting shut down. He did score on the 5-on-3, but they are doing a pretty good job against him. Um, obviously, we haven't really seen the best of Vasilevsky either. And it is going to be... Life is going to probably get tougher for Matthews Marner at some point, right? And you're uh, even even though Camp, Mikhaev, Engvall are you know very trusted defensively and have been great, it would not shock me if they stopped scoring, right? Like, we know that's more of a defensive line. Um, even though... Blackwell and Spezza have some offense. I still don't know if they'll score. So I, I do think that Tavares and Nylander are really going to be the X factors here. If they can bounce back, if they can, you know, at least have a game where they're the difference makers, that's going to be the deciding factor. If it's it's a real tough matchup if those guys don't get going. But all in all, there's so, there are some there are a lot more positives than negatives when you're looking at this team. But I do think that right. Cooper's making adjustments, so Keith's going to have to counter that. One hundred percent. Talking of Cooper, like, have you been watching his post game press conferences? <laughs> he's had some cuts. He is. He's. He's he just one of the it. most condescending people. Like, <laughs> he's one of, easily one of the most condescending coaches I've ever heard in press conferences. And and I like a good playoff post game press conference. I actually really like listening to what the coaches say after games. Um, Bruce Cassidy is probably one of my favorite guys to listen to. Sheldon Keefe's actually up there too. He's got some good quotes on what he says and breaks down the game well. But, but Bruce Cass—I mean, sorry, um, John Cooper. Wow, like he is amazing for the sound bites. He likes to like change the uh, the sample size. Like he'll be like, <laughs> yeah. he'll like ignore Campbell's shutout <laughs> and then say his goals against average, or he'll like he'll give you like stats since like game two and a half or something like that. You're like, what? Uh, I don't know. He's he's an interesting guy. He's been the biggest pest of this series. Like I thought, I thought it was going to be about Corey Perry and uh, 
Patrick Maroon, but Cooper's easily been the biggest pest on Tampa this whole yeah, series. Yeah, and I mean, I wanted to get into, like, should they play Clifford Simmons, but I think Game 3 went so well that that's probably not really a question. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I wouldn't mind going back to Simmons, or, or just one of them, not both. Maybe, like, we'll see, we'll do it on a game-by-game basis, but I think it's, it's kind of, you know, right now, I didn't notice Maroon or Perry in Game in game uh, three, right? Like, other than the bad penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll gladly take the power plays if they come. Um, but, yeah, I do think that if you're looking to see why this Leafs team's different compared to previous years, I think you definitely have to look at, um, you know, if Matthews Marner get going more than they did in previous years, that's, that's huge if they can conti- continue that up. But but really, they've had some good third lines in the past, especially early on when they, when they had, <laughs> I guess, Kaja got suspended. But, um I, I guess I guess <laughs> the third line would be key, and then the third defense pairing. Having Giordano out there is just a massive luxury. So I think those are really the, the two biggest positives that I see going forward. Yeah. I think as, this, as the series goes on, you know, we looked at Montreal last year. They were up 3-1, and, like, these little mini events that occur during a game can really shift how a series goes. Like, last year, they game five it's a bad turnover from Galchenyuk they go into game six they go into OT as well game six they really didn't play well they go into OT they play really really well can't score and then obviously the rest is history so I think you look at these like like a small penalty or um, you know a bad giveaway things like that especially when you get into game four and for the rest of the series can really swing the series so um, I think going forward like I think Campbell is just going to have to continue playing the way he does, and I think the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, I think just stay out of the box, right? Like, I as good as the penalty kill has been, like they do have Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Point, and we saw them kind of go off in Game Two, and I, I think they're more than capable of doing that. So, I I, I think power play is going to be big, right? Like Toronto hasn't really had their best power play yet in this series, and. Tampa, we've seen it at times. We know how hot they can get. Uh, I do think that discipline is going to be massive. We've seen Cooper complain about you know the parade to the penalty box. Uh, discipline is going to be massive, and then that that getting Tavares Nylander going. If they can do that, I, I like their chances. But you know Vasilevsky, have you seen the stat where it's like his his record after losses? Uh, that's what I want to. That's when I want to snap in in game four. But I want to get into your prediction. Um, you know, at first, I know you said Tampa in seven at first. I'm still upset about you, to you about that, but um, I, I had Leafs in seven. I, I do still think that this is going to be a longer series. So I guess just from the odds, you'd expect Tampa to win the next game. Um, Tampa's missed a lot of chances. I think the Leafs have been the better team through three games, but Tampa's missed a lot of you know like pretty good chances. Whether that's the Stampos chance last game um he fanned on a puck in game one that just missed so i guess i'll say like 4-2 tampa i hope i'm incredibly wrong with that prediction but um yeah i'll I'll say the leafs lose the next game in tampa and then you know hopefully win their home games and win the series who's going to be the difference i'll say vasilevsky and yeah well i mean who else is going to be the difference there (laughs) and i'll say uh we got to edit this part out. 
You're the one who said Tampa in seven, so you're, I changed if, if it. Toronto wins tomorrow. I changed it. I talked to the hockey gods. I have long conversation with the hockey gods, and they to- they assured me at least for winning the series. You changed it. When did you change it? I'm tweeting too much for you to see all my tweets, I guess, but you'll have to go back in my in my tweets. I did update the Leafs in seven. I caught the passion is what happened. You caught the passion. Um at first, I thought I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite this year. I always pick the Leafs, and then I was like, I'm gonna go opposite, see if it works. Mm-hmm. And then I caught the passion, and I just had to do Leafs in seven. But I'm gonna go Leafs win in game four. Let's do three one again. It would just be a massive win. I mean, it's, it doesn't assure you the series win as we learned last year, but um, it would just be a massive win to go up three one. And in terms of a difference maker, hmm, I I think. I think it's going to be a 3-2 game. Like, I, I think you have to pencil in Tampa for a couple goals. There's just so much offensive firepower. I do think it's going to be a game where, where Nylander steps up. That, that, I thought that was going to be game three. It didn't happen. But even though his stats haven't been great, like, game one, he had food poisoning. I still thought he looked okay. Uh, I, I think that guy's just so talented offensively that it's, it's going to come together. We saw what he did last year. He seems to be that guy that can step up come playoff time. I'm going to put him as my difference maker in like a 3-2, maybe 4-2 win. That's that's my prediction. Yeah, yeah, same here. I would it it would be nice if he just like Tavares and Nylander just combined for a goal, like a really nice big important goal. Um, we haven't had an overtime game yet. That would be interesting. Oh, <laughs> game four, yeah. an OT win would be. I would love an OT win. Just I remember when Capitan scored from Boyle, right? Like that was yeah years ago, but that was such a big moment. And then last year, I think they went over two in overtime, I believe. Um, it was either over two or over three. I know they had at least two overtime losses, and I yeah, two for sure. I mean, the Bozak goal in the Washington series was one of the coolest goals ever. What was the Bozak one? Boz oh, that's I think that was your Twitter picture. It was t- <laughs> Bozak and Kadri. I don't remember that one. Kadri was Kadri was on the half wall, um, the power play, and and they did like the the tip pass. Kadri gave it to Bozak. Bozak tipped it from like the high slot. Really. They uh they went up two one, in the series. Okay, we gotta get out of here because I'm gonna go watch it. But we'll see everybody soon. We're gonna be trying to do some post game podcasts in, in in this series, and then who knows? Like right now, the Leafs are up, Washington's up in the series. We have no idea where it's gonna go from here. Let's hope for a big game four win, and we'll see everyone later this week.